Our Old Testament reading is from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to observe your righteous ordinances. I am severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gospel reading from Matthew, the fifth chapter. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we ask that as we think on these words of Scripture from a familiar psalm, Psalm 119, that you would help us to know how we might be individuals in the midst of our own dark spaces, how we might apply them, and as a church, as church communities in Philadelphia and those that are watching from other places, that you would help us to know how we might live as your people in a way that is faithful to the story you're telling in the person of Jesus. So meet us, we ask, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So uh, last week, we were looking at Psalm 95, and we saw that that psalm uh, leads us in thinking about the shape and the practice of worship. So the psalmist called us to a singing heart that's buoyed by the presence of God, a kneeling heart that is awake to God as our good shepherd, a listening heart that stands with a posture of um, openness and softness to the voice and the words that God speaks as we listen, and so a heart that rests in his presence amidst the varied circumstances of life, even challenging ones. Today, we're jumping into the middle of Psalm 119, which is a long acrostic poem uh, built out of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. You're probably familiar with that reality, but it's built out of the letters of the alphabet as the psalmist seeks to celebrate the word of God this long conversation that God has had with his people, his family, across generations in history. And the psalm uh, throughout its, its um, poem will use different references, ordinances, or laws, or statutes, or promises, principles, the word of God as a way of gesturing toward this reality of God's long conversation. 
And it's a conversation that didn't stop with the ending of the psalmist's life, but continued on until the great moment when the Word of God becomes flesh and dwells among us in the person of Jesus. When the author of Hebrews reflects on the Word made flesh, he says simply that in the past God spoke through the prophets and in many and various times and ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us in the Son the one in whom God is putting all things right. This part of the psalm that we read this morning begins with this interesting metaphor of a lamp or a lantern. Verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Liz Vobrel, who does communications with our church, uh, we were in a conversation earlier in staff this week, and she was telling me the story of reading a blog of a missionary in Uganda, someone that we both actually knew, and she, uh, she said she'd read that she was talking about there being no good time to run in Uganda. It's just impossibly hot. And so she'd taken to the practice of running at night when it was a little cooler. And so she ran with a flashlight. And you can imagine that scene, if you've ever done any kind of night running, that you only see a few steps in front of you. We were thinking about that metaphor in light of this nearly six months of pandemic life that isn't going so well for anyone, uh, certainly not for those of us in the United States. Um, And it doesn't appear to be going away anytime too soon we feel very often like we're in the dark. We make plans and two weeks later, we're making new plans that feel brand new. We're asking questions about when school will start and how will it start and different districts are sorting out those questions differently. And then every parent of course has the question on their mind of, but what if we have to lock down again? We ask questions similarly about church. When will we meet again in person as a church. This morning, I'm speaking into an empty room almost, except for the musicians and worship leaders. It's quite different than in the past. When will we meet again? These are the questions on all of our minds. And it's not just the darkness of a pandemic that we're feeling particularly. It's all of the things that are happening culturally around us. The darkness of injustice and disparities, particularly as it's shown up in the conflicts around race and uncertainties that we have, the kinds of conversations we're beginning to have. And it piles on as well as we think about those in our own city or around the world who's already struggled with things like food insecurity or poverty. These things are made worse in the context of a pandemic. Or we could also just think of the ways in which we pile on the political drama or we pile on our own personal stories, all of the individual ways that you may be struggling relationally with people that are in your own house that you've been in lockdown with because we discover we're not as easy to live with as we like to imagine ourselves. Lockdown has a way of pushing that to the forefront. The psalmist here takes this idea of running in the dark with a flashlight, but says the flashlight is the word of God. The flashlight, if you will, is that which God has spoken, the conversation that he's having with his people in the midst of their world, their life, their ordinary life, then but also now. 
Most of us would never write a poem like this or a prayer like this, I'm guessing, probably because when we think about law, in, for, for example, we think very narrowly of the ways in which even the Bible restricts us or restrains us or it feels sometimes when we read Scripture, it's God's giant no over things that we want to do. Let me just push you to think about the word or the conversation that God is having with us a little differently or even the commandments of God. The theologian Robert Jensen says of the commandments of God that the point is to direct human beings to the good life to which we are called, the life that is good for human creatures. The Lord told Israel is a life that honors the creator rather than creatures posing as wannabe gods in the world. It's a life of religious observance, a life of familial solidarity. It's a life of sexual faithfulness. It's a life that respects life wherever we find it. It's a life of legal responsibility. It's a life characterized by generosity to others and on and on and on. So when we think about God's word or the story that God is telling or his law, his ordinances, some of these words that show up in this very part of the psalm, Think of it as God's vision for life, a big vision statement of what human life could be like if we'd listen, if we'd follow, if we'd humble ourselves before the Lord. Psalm 119 reminds us that God's word, this long historic conversation that God has had with his people across time is for our good and our flourishing. So that we, if you want to use the language of N.T. Wright, he says that we would live in uh, or with the grain of creation rather than against it. You know, when you run your hand across the decking, if you have a deck on your back porch as we do, and you run against the grain, you run the risk of splintering. And then you run with the grain, it's a little smoother. That's the image that N.T. Wright is using. But the question for me and for all of us is, are we willing to become listeners of God? Listen to that which he said. Are we willing to begin to be people that see by the light of his word rather than the light of a different word or a different wisdom, if you will? Here, the psalmist goes so far to say that he is taking an oath, right? Binding himself and binding the community of God's people to be a group of people that stay in conversation with God. In other words, we don't let go of his word. Psalm, uh, or rather verse 106 says, I will follow your righteous ordinances. This is his oath to build his life around that which God has spoken, the illumination that God brings into his world, this vision for life. And one practical thing that we could at least walk away from just reading these very few verses from the psalm this, this morning or this evening or whenever you're listening is just very simply this. When you feel the darkness of life pressing in, what would it be like for you to lean a little harder into the story of Scripture? What would it be like to sort of angle your life a little more intentionally toward those things that God has said? It's a simple question. Are we in the midst of these dystopian realities that we're all experiencing and all very frankly unhappy with? Are we letting the story of Scripture shine on our path through these realities? That seems to be a simple, order, uh, a simple way of applying this psalm. Are we willing to take up the spiritual practices that God's people throughout time and across time have sort of lived with as they just seek to circle back over and over again to the things that God has said, 
to the conversation God desires to have with us about truth, about grace, about his love, about creation, about the healing that he offers us in the person of who Jesus is. Are we willing to sort of sit with the story of Scripture in the midst of our darkness and remember how God loves us and let that reality recalibrate us in the midst of some of these moments that can feel so very disorienting? The psalmist moves forward and he says, he speaks rather of his affliction. One translation says just simply not, I I, I am severely afflicted, but I have suffered much. Do you feel that way? I have suffered much. I know people that are suffering much. We suffer sometimes because we live in a way that we're always taking life up in our own hands as the psalmist gestures toward in verse 109, in which we become the center of our own universe in contrast to being a person who sort of lives by those things that God has spoken. And it's not just that we do this thing personally with God or that we struggle with the things that God is saying, but we live in a community of people that struggle. We live in a world in which this is the common struggle. And so in, in verse 110, the psalmist will say something like, the wicked have set snares for me, right? So it's this notion that we not only struggle with what God has said ourselves or living in conversation with him, but we live in a world in which everyone struggles with this conversation with God. Our suffering is bound up, our affliction is bound up in our struggle to stay with the conversation, to hold on, to keep talking back to God. And so the psalmist simply asks that God would renew his life according to his word. That is that God would hold on to his life and keep him in that path in which human beings flourish simply because they're in relation to God who shepherds them within his vision of life. We might say that this is a way of asking for the kingdom of God to come, that we would pray and look for his future, even in the midst of these dark moments or these strange moments or these moments when the questions feel far greater and weightier than any kind of answer that we might be able to offer. By the end of the Psalm, the Psalmist is confessing that God's decrees, his ordinances are the joy of his heart. And he inclines his heart, right, to perform these ordinances, these statutes, not just to value them, not just to read them, but to actually become a person and to live among persons that are seeking to embody this story of God in the world. In this sense, I think Psalm 119 is very much an aspirational prayer for anybody that has ever taken it to their lips. We could read its words and you think, this doesn't describe my heart, but it might describe the aspiration of our hearts. It's aspirational prayer. It's looking toward the faithfulness of God. And it moves really throughout time and history to that great moment when this prayer is on the lips and in the life of Jesus himself for whom this was not mere aspiration, but an embodied reality. Jesus lived by the light of God who speaks. I often think of Jesus's particular moment when he heard a very verbal word from the Father, and it's that moment of his baptism when Jesus in solidarity says, I will stand alongside of this long history of people that have struggled with the word of God, that have struggled to lean into the story God is telling. I will stand with them in baptism. And in that particular moment, Jesus hears the words of the Father, You are my son, 
my beloved son, and with you I'm pleased. We're told that the Spirit falls on Jesus, and then the gospel story begins to account for all of the ways in which Jesus embodied the love of God inside of our world. He fed the hungry, he forgave the sinners, he brought the marginal persons to the very core and center of belonging, he healed the sick, and even ultimately, he died beneath the weight of abusive and corrupt human misuse of power, the trap, the snare laid for him. It's in Jesus' life story that the God who speaks and human beings who are called to listen begin to cohere inseparably. And so this morning, as we think about these words from Psalm 119, we think about them as persons in a community that comes to Jesus, in whom God has spoken and who has now filled us with his Holy Spirit, lighting our path even through our darkness as we wait for the fullness of God's future. But we live in this moment differently because we've heard of the God who created us, who loves us, and who heals us. Let me leave you with something that Leslie Newbegin, someone we've spoken of often in both of our churches, uh, he was a missionary and, a, and a, a minister in England and in India most of his life. And in his little book called uh, A Walk Through the Bible, uh, which is a lovely introduction to, introduction to the story of Scripture, if you want to read it or purchase it or pick it up, it's available, I think, for free online. But he, he ends the book this way, and he says, the book of Revelation offers us the vision of a city, which is on the one hand, the perfection of all human striving toward beauty civilization, and the good order. And on the other hand is the place where every tear is dried and every one of us knows God face to face and knows that we are his and he is ours. That is the vision with which the Bible ends. And it's a vision that enables us to see the whole human story and each of our own lives within the story as meaningful and which therefore invites us through Jesus to become responsible actors in history, not to seek to run away from the responsibilities and the agonies of human life in its public dimension. Each of us must be ready to take our share in all the struggles and the anguish of human history, and yet with the confidence that what is committed to Jesus will in the end find its place in his final kingdom. That's the word that God calls us to embody and to live with in hope as we seek light for our path in our own uncertain times. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we ask that as we think on the meaning of this psalm for us, that we would understand very truthfully and clearly how Jesus walked through this life as one who perfectly and always listened to you. And he did so for our sake that in him we might become a person in communities that live in the fullness of his presence. And so live filled with his spirit, living differently in this present moment. Would you fill us with hope? Would you give us light for the darkness that we feel in our lives? Would you guide us forward, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.